sermon or lesson where you can pick up and you would not say, well, that's something else I need to hear. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. We're looking at the single scripture that, it's so powerful, so clear, so complete that this scripture is able to stand alone. And I make that comment because many people will pick out a scripture and say, see, this is what God's talking about this. But there's not all scriptures will stand alone. In other words, you have You don't have to have any other scripture there. uh, I think a scripture like this would be beneficial if we memorize it and then uh, during the week or that we would learn to meditate upon this scripture. So, Galatians 2.20 is one of the all-time great Bible verses about life and living. Uh, I talk to a lot of people from time to time that I believe is alive, but they're not living to the fullest. And that can be caused from a lot of problems, things that they may not have no control over. But uh, in these 44 words, the Apostle Paul, the simple secret to the Christian life, cannot tell how many times I've needed or quoted this verse in the past nearly 50 years. But recently it was as though an entire new phrase came in this old verse. The life which I now live. The life which I now live. What kind of life is it that we now live? We will briefly go over that first part which we preached several months ago. When he says, crucified life, I am crucified with Christ. What does it mean to have a crucified life? Simply means you died to self. That's what happened when God saved me. I died to self. I was not the number one purpose. 
but that God saved me. He saved me on purpose, and he saved me for purpose. That's the difference between living and existing. The cross of Christ was a double cross. First, Christ was crucified for our sins, and we were crucified with Christ where we died to sin. When I accepted Christ as my Savior, when he appeared unto me, when he made everything that he did for me available so that I would accept him, I died. He was crucified for me, but I died to self. This speaks of the termination of our old life. Our past sinful life has been blotted out. So there's many ways we can look at this. But uh, we back up a verse to 19. For I, through the law, am dead to the law that I might live unto God. And we all are dead to certain things. We don't think about it anymore, or if we think about it, we certainly wouldn't participate in it. But it's just certain things. Christ's death satisfied the law, so we go back to the law. We've got to go all the way back to uh, Moses. But uh, when we look at Romans chapter 6, verse 3 through 8, which we're just reviewing, Galatians 2.20, Galatians 3.3, we died to sin. You know, once a person is dead, they do not have a desire to do the things they did. So it's very important that we understand that and try to apply it to our lives. So the first point was a crucified life. Well, I'm crucified. I'm dead. But we see next, he said, uh, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. What does that mean? Well, when I got married, it was no longer just about me. It was about us, because the two become one. When God saved me, it was no longer about me, but it was about me and Christ because I died to self. I died to self. This speaks of the generation and identification of our life. The death and resurrection of Christ are not only historic events, 
He gave himself and now lives in me. There's a, you know, if you want to use modern technology, you know, we have these watches that tells our time and and we can check our heartbeat and our heart rate and all of that stuff. But the reason it works, there's a little chip somewhere in there that does that. Well, we got a chip if we want to use that metaphor, we got the Holy Spirit in us. You know, as we quoted this verse probably more than any in the last year, when Christ said it's expedient that I go back to the Father. But he said, when I go, and paraphrasing it, because we quoted it many, many times, the Holy Spirit. Everybody in this building, if you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. That's that little comparable to the chip. We take the chip out of the computers, the iPhones, and it won't function. Unless we keep Christ alive and important, we will fall back. We'll always come back, but we'll fall back. And I see Christians that spend their whole life trying to redo. I'm sorry I done this. I was wrong. Lord, will you forgive me? But that's a constant routine. You know, it's, it's, uh, if I got to spend every day asking my wife to Forgive me for something I've done. Uh, marriage won't mean nothing after a while. Well, there are to be times when we are following the lead, and that lead is the Spirit. You know, we went through a phase. I don't think I ever did have the bracelet or think somebody gave me a pen with uh, WWJD. You know, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? And if we could remember that, anytime we're getting ready to say something, we, we may be sorry that we said, we should, you know, and that's what the little rubber bracelets and the pins and all that was supposed to be for, so that uh, we can see that. But uh, the Christian life is not a life of, WWJD. It's not a life because when we get out of his will, we're not concerned about what Jesus would do until we fall and then we'll begin to think about it. But the Christian life is a life of impartation and the distinctive mark is that Jesus lives in us. Notice with me in 2 Corinthians Second Corinthians, when we look at Second Corinthians, uh, I think it's be about the 13th chapter, I believe. Uh, yes, 13th chapter and the fifth verse. God said, examine yourselves whether 
ye be in the faith, prove your own selves. Know ye not that your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be a reprobate. Now, turn back to 1 Corinthians, chapter 6. When we look at 1 Corinthians, chapter 6, God says here in verse 19, What? Notice, it's a question mark. Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. So what does that, you know, he's asking us, say, what? What is it that he's telling us? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? In other words, it's your body, but you're not in control of it. The Holy Spirit is in control of it. And when we release that power and we override, you know, if you learn some technology about your computer and different things, and uh, I didn't always know that you can override something. That does not show up. Well, God wants us to know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. Since I'm saved, I don't bl- I'm not the one that should be making my decisions. Now, well, we got to be reasonable, you know, God is to make any decision for me. And how do I know what God's decision is? Thus said the Lord. I don't have to, you know, what can I tell a a lie? I can tell a lie, but God tells me not to lie. I can steal, but God says don't steal. So as we get familiar with the word of God, then that verse that we're talking about here becomes even more and more. You know, I am crucified with Christ. I died with Christ. He died on that cross. And when I accepted him, he paid my sin debt. And he works in me. So we, we see very clearly that that is exactly what we need to do. Christianity is a Christ in you or Christ in unity. If you and, if you and Christ is not in agreement, then one of you is of course. Christ in me. This is not a reformation of our old life, but an impartation. And we use, I think a lot of people use this, well, when Christ saved me, he reformed me. 
Well, I understand that terminology. Personally, I believe this is not a reformation of the old life, but an impartation of God's life to us and in us. His life, when he died and I accepted that, then he imparted his perfect life. Now he lives in me. That's why there's a trinity, you know, the body, the soul, and the spirit. He imparts his life into my spirit, into my soul. But it affects the body. You know, we was just talking. But once you receive Christ, you can say, Jesus Christ lives in me. You may not understand it, you may not feel it all the time, but it is so because it is so. Do we understand this? Christ, for us, is a wonderful thought. Christ with us is even more thrilling. But it is so because it is so. I can't understand or explain to somebody how that when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and when Christ went back to glory, he did not leave me comfortless, but then the Spirit of God lives in me. And the Spirit of God would sort of be like a conscious, you know. Some things we've done, some things we've said, we wish we couldn't remember it, you know, just blank it out. But when we talk about this, you know, once you receive Christ, you can say, Jesus Christ lives in me. You ask me how I know he's real. He lives inside of me. The third point is a changed life. The life which I now live in the flesh. Notice here back in our text in Galatians 3.20. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, the life which I now live in the flesh, speaks of sanctification. Speaks of sanctification of the life. And this is the one area that I see missing in so many people, they have not brought the body under subjection. They have not made this sanctification. But And sanctification is a purpose. And I use this illustration about all the time. Uh, you know, that piano, that organ, this auditorium has been sanctified. You mean it's no? It means it's set apart. Set apart. If we're going to have a meal, we ask, don't bring any food in the auditorium, because this sanctuary is for the purpose of God. So we spend time with me thinking about that word, the opposite of. The word now is then, 
And the life we now live is not the same as the life we once lived. If there's no difference in my life, what is important to me, how I spend my time, everything, if that's exactly the only difference in my life is that I may show up on church, then I haven't been sanctified. I have a puppy. I love my puppy probably more than I should. But when I feed Ella, I don't get a saucer out of the cabinet. She's got her own little bowl. And it's got balls on it. You know, so she knows that's her bowl. I wouldn't eat out of that bowl. It's sanctified for her or set apart for the puppy. My life ought to be sanctified. Now that I'm saved, there ought to be parts of my life, all of my life should be, but he's still working on me and he's still working on on you and we still mess up. But it bothers us. See, when a person on Sunday morning would walk down the aisle and say, I want to repent of fortification, and then before the evening service, that person commit fortification again. They didn't repent. They made a mockery. And there are people who are not saved but want to be classified in the religious realm. That's what they do. We spend time with me thinking about that word now. The opposite word now is then. I used to do that then, but now I'm saved. Saul, before the Damascus Road, a Pharisee, a Christian killer, a blind by religion, but after on the road to Damascus, he changed. He became a devoted Christian, zealous, preacher, a missionary, a church planner. The difference between then and now. We, every one of us ought to have a then, how we live, how we made decisions then, and how we make the decisions now. That's what sanctification is. So that third change as life, the life which I now live in the flesh is not the same as it was then. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Paul says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. See, that word now instead of then. How do we experience that changed life? Well, first of all, our efforts are worthless. It is not through reformation. I'm going to reform myself. You can't reform something that is totally depraved. You can make temporary changes, 
even if we could change ourselves, we would mess it up because we would take the credit. The change we so desperately need and want comes by the residence and the release of the person of Christ. Notice with me in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 3. When we look at the word of God and let the word of God speak to us. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 17. uh, God says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that he being rooted and grounded in love. See, the key is love. Why did Christ die for me? Because he loved me. Why do I serve him? Because I love him. The same way that we want to take, yes, I've got a responsibility to my wife. She's got a responsibility to me. But if I do it because I love her, it's not a grudge. It's not something I dread. Do I get tired in the physical? Sure do. You know, get tired when you got a newborn and that baby's got colic and you're up all night. But that don't stop you from loving. Just because we're having a rough time, we don't stop loving Christ because the part of Christ, that third part is in us so our efforts are worthless as long as we do our best we prevent God from doing his normal and I believe that's the problem with Christianity as a whole I mean I'm doing the best I can pastor well that's good, but if what you're doing doesn't correlate with the word of God, you're off base. First John chapter 4 and verse 4. First John chapter 4 and verse 4. Notice. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So we sometimes fall back because we got a little bit of biblical knowledge. Well, you know how strong Satan is. Yes, I do. But I know how strong God is too. And you go back to the Word, and what the Word tells us, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. God is simply using the writer of John, 1 John 4, 4, to tell us there's a battle. Constant battle. The one you yield to is the one that wins. You're thinking things you shouldn't think. Well, how do we we change? And you may keep bringing it back, but if you refuse to think on it, you refuse to tell about it and talk about it, God is stronger than he that's in the world. You know, that's when I was uh, making this outline a while back, I thought about the song, What a Wonderful Change in My Life Has Been Raw Since Jesus 
came into my heart. But if Jesus doesn't come into our heart, that change is just permanent. That change is just when everything is going right. But everything won't go right. It won't continue to go right. We're going to have problems. Christianity then is simply Jesus Christ living in our bodies, minding his own business. According to Dr. Jack Taylor, I thought about that and I agreed with it, so I put that down. Christianity then is simply Jesus Christ living in our bodies, minding his own business. Really? What is his business? That I serve him. Why? Because he owns me. I had a person tell me that on visitation. Well, the way you talk, you're a slave. I said, I am. I'm a slave to Jesus Christ. Most people are a slave to something. You know, they're either a slave to, you know, you can be a slave to the TV. You can be a slave to anything that is so important to you, it takes up the biggest part of your time. The question is, is how much time during the day takes up thinking about how good Jesus is to you and what it would be if he left you? There is an ultimate change, you know, according to 1 Corinthians 15, 51. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51. There is an ultimate change. I mean, and uh, he tells us, if a man die, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change comes. You know, that's what Job said in Job 14, 14. He said, if a man die, shall he live again? I will. All the days of my appointed time, I will wait till my change come. Now, when Job was saying, uh, all the days of my appointed time, there's certain things God's going to get out of me. He bought me with his blood. He owns me, and I will, to some extent, glorify him. The more I glorify him, and you know, and if you believe in a bride of Christ, if you believe in a Baptist bride, uh, then that means a lot more to you than if you believe in a general bride. You know, uh, there is a progressive change in the way that we live. That's what he tells us in 2 Corinthians 3.18. But uh, in 1 Corinthians 15.51, which we just quoted a few minutes ago, Behold, we shall not all sleep, but that we all shall be changed. We shall all be changed. You know, that's 
loved one that we buried, the loved one we attended the funeral, the loved one we attended graveside service. When that person rises, it's going to be a whole brand new person. No cancer if they died of cancer. No heart problem if they died of heart problem. Whole brand new person. The fourth point as we run in uh, time is they control life. You know, he, he tells us they control life. And we, we see that as well, you know. Uh, when he said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ live in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. He's controlling, see. I live now by the, who, the Son of God. I now live in the flesh. I live by faith of the Son of God. Christ. first you see how all of this fit together we are not experiencing a changed life it's because we're not cooperating with Christ's life and are ignoring the crucified life in line sin to be alive in us instead of dead I drove my vehicle this morning I looked up Halfway over here, I said, I hope I've got enough gas to make it to, to town. So I did. I made it into town. And the guy came out, and, you know, he was looked like a farmer. And he said, headed uh, to church? I said, yes, sir. He said, that's the word I should be. I used to go. I said, why don't you... Call me sometime and I'll come over and talk to you. Luckily, you know, uh, I try to keep a uh, card with me one one time because Harold, bless his heart, he uh, got all over me when we had a visitor and he said, give him a visitor's card. And I said, I don't have one with me. Harold said, well, you should. And you're exactly right, I should. So now I, you know, I used that card. It had my name, the church's name, phone number. And he said, I might do that. You know. Well, I, I don't know. But, you know, he started the conversation. He said, Surely I didn't walk in. Because a controlled life, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. You know, God tells us, you know, and uh, this is the Proverbs, the third chapter, and day is what? The third day. On the third day, I would be reading the third chapter of Proverbs, you know. But it says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not to thine own understanding. And in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. I like that verse because uh, over the years I've had a number of people from time to time said, do you have time? I need to talk to you. 
so I always talked to him. Well, Proverbs is saying, giving us some good advice. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. And in all ways acknowledge him. See, this guy that I spoke to this morning, he evidently had went to church in the past because he said, that's where I ought to be going, or whatever the word that was. Something about the word of God, if you save, it never leaves you. It always reminds you. And then, fifth, a confident life. That confident life, you know, as we see the last part of that verse, he, he tells us, who loved me and gave himself for me. This takes full circle back to the cross. What started at the cross, I am crucified with Christ, ends with the cross. Who loved me and gave himself for me. Started at the cross, ends at the cross. But it's, it's in between, see, we always, when somebody dies, born, born, and we put a dash. The born and the dying, we're not going to be judged for that. We're going to be judged for that dash. What did we do after we was born till the time we died? And I think there's a, another judgment for us saved people. What am I going to do from the time that Tuesday morning did God save me until I die? I believe that's going to be a little tougher judgment than the 20-some years I lived lost. Do we know this, that Christ really loves you? And one thing to know, for God so loved the world and that Christ loved the church, but now... Awesome it is to know that he loves me. See, and once you learn some terminology, we know that God loves the world, but he loves a different world than what we know. And he gave his life for me. And what am I going to do with that gift? Reminds me, a friend of mine, they died a couple, three weeks ago, and his uh, dad had died early. His mother had an 85, or excuse me, $75,000 life insurance. He was the, the one supposed to get it. And uh, I asked him a week or two later, I said, this, this is your chance. You've always said, I didn't have a break. I don't have a break. Nobody, you know, I've never had the money of the kids. I said, now, you're 23 years old and you've got $75,000 minus the bill. What are you going to do with it? See, I believe if God saves him, he's going to give an account to God for that sacrificial love that his mother did for him whether he goes out and blows it or whether he would do what his mother 
wanted him to do. He told Tibble the right thing to do. But as we prepare to close, uh, Jack Taylor illustrated this way. Here's a cup of water, and by it is a tea bag. The water is not the tea, and the tea is not the water. They are two separate items. The water is heated, and the tea bag placed into the water. A strange thing takes place. The water changes color and nature. It becomes indwelt by the new and dominated nature. The rich tea color swirls around in the cup until the flood is tea, not water. For the water to exist now, it is for the tea to exist. The water could say, it's no longer I that lives, but the tea that lives in me. Not many people I know drink hot water. There isn't much demand for it. But if that water is heated in preparation, can be made to become a wholesome and stimulating drink, then it's worthwhile. That's exactly what Christ did to everybody he saved. Without Christ, we have nothing. We're useless. We're all for ourselves. But as God said, I am crucified with Christ, and the cross has set me free. I have risen again with Jesus, and he lives and reigns in me. It is sweet to die with Jesus to the world and self and sin. It's sweet to live with Jesus as he lives and reigns within. Father, we thank you for this day and we thank you, Father, for this.